You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with always typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 1970 Grindhouse classic, I Drink Your Blood. And I wasn't even born yet. (laughs) Me either. For some reason, it makes me feel special when we get to cover a movie, so I can sort of like step into your shoes for a little bit. I I wasn't alive for the creation of any film. Well, most films that we cover anyway. That's true. Half of them. Well, that's true. I have this weird romantic take on old movies where I feel like they're going to transfer me into a world I want to be in. A world of the 70s and rabies and hydrophobia and casual sex. Well, yeah, that sounds like a world you want to be in. Yeah. (laughs) Completely. (laughs) Before we get into it... uh, Welcome to episode 103. It still freaks me out that we're past episode 100, so I think I'm going to be, like, stating what number episode we are, just yeah. for posterity. You know, we're yeah. an evergreen show, but I'm going to firmly date it by saying what episode we're on. Or at least I'll try to, because God mm-hmm. knows my brain is made of mush. It's okay. We'll saw this episode open, and like the rings of a tree, its numerical placement will tell you precisely when we were made. Like the rings of a maple tree. <laughs> so Thomas had asked what film that we'd like to see a prequel to. And I love Thomas's questions. Yeah, he yeah. gives us a lot of questions. I think we've missed a couple over the last little weeks, but it was an exciting time. Thomas, forgive us. It was an exciting time. Uh, Comic-Con, which I'm going to pick your brain on in, in a minute. But <laughs> um, prequels, man. And I saw it, but I was busy at work, and I was going to read response, but then I was like, no way, man, I'll save it for the show, and that'll give me a few days to, like, sort of mull this over. Um, we've talked about things we'd like to see prequels, too. And in this day and age, we seem to get prequels without even asking. Yeah. Until, like, basically everything. Or we get not only a fucking prequel, but we get Bates Motel. You want a prequel? You want a backstory? You want an origin story? I mean, I love Psycho, and I love Norman Bates, and I do love the Bates Motel series, but that is, like, the most long and drawn-out answer to a question no one asked, <laughs> you know? But, like, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. It's that there are so many villains that we'd like to see more of, and a lot of it is handed to us on a silver platter. We get Hannibal Lecter. How much backstory of Hannibal Lecter could you possibly want in book and film? Yeah, yeah. Right? So a lot of it... I couldn't even, you know, begin with the amount of films I'd like to see prequels to. And a lot of them have been done or a lot of them I would like to see redone. Or there's probably thousands I can't even fucking remember or that we've talked about on the show that I can't even remember. But my number one favorite man in the entire planet, next to you and Chris, of course, Uh is Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan! I would love to see a show called... Dr. Satan, that is just all Dr. Satan all the time as a prequel to House of a Thousand Corpses. Thank you, Rob Zombie, sir. You can do that anytime now. That's a good pull, actually. That's a really good pull. 
as an ever. I just love Dr. Satan. <laughs> yeah, right. And that, to me, was some of the most intriguing aspects of House of a Thousand Courses. I have come to appreciate that film more over the years, but I definitely agree that the Dr. Satan aspects of it is what is the most interesting to me. Yeah, the Dr. Mm-hmm. Satan story that you get fed at the beginning, the little tiny glimpses of Dr. Satan you get at the end. Even Mama Firefly pulling a face whenever she thinks of her poor deceased Dr. Satan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. I had answered Thomas on Twitter, and I can't remember... I, I know I gave a couple of examples or something like that, but I can't quite remember which they were. I think one of them was a prequel to The Ring. Yeah. And what I was getting at, by the way, if you guys haven't seen Ring Birthday or Ring Zero, however you want to say it, uh, from Japan, I recommend that you do. It's a very strange story, though. I what I was looking for is I'm a, a big fan of the uh, of the English remakes of those films. I love the Japanese ones too, so don't get me wrong. They they occupy equal space, equal but different space. And to me, what I would like to see is a story. I find the English ones are just a little bit more cohesive in 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 the stories that they're trying to tell. It's a more clear cut story about what Samara was like. Yeah, so you want specifically a Samara origin as opposed to a Sadako. Exactly. I think that I think that there's a lot to be done with uh, a little girl that comes out of nowhere that seems to have abilities to control people's mind and a little of the Omen, a little bit of Village of the Damned, you know, a little bit of a, a mix. Firestarter, yeah, 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 a little, yeah. little bit of that, and then we get into the point where this family realizes that holy shit, this little girl is evil incarnate, and how do we deal with her? And of course, we know how it will inevitably end. But I think the story of what that would do to this family that would always want a daughter and then finally get one, and then going through all these medical tests, like you could do a lot of stuff with psychologists. And so I I think that there's a lot of ground to cover before Samara becomes this entity of pure malevolence that exists in sort of a psychic ghostly plane. So I I, I would be really interested in something like that. There's nothing wrong with knowing the end game. We know the end game to Bates Motel, don't we all? Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That kept us on the edge of our seats really through that entire series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it would be a good opportunity to... One of the problems that I know that some people have had with the English sequels as they've progressed is that they've lost a little bit of that the atmosphere and the mood and the slow burn. So I think that you could... you could A prequel to that franchise, you could slow it back down again and just tell this really eerie, creepy story and have, you know, some evil stuff in it, some horror stuff in it. But then it's really more about the story of this family getting torn apart by the fact that one of them is just pure evil. <laughs> I think that's a good story. You keep making the pull the taffy hand motion that you yeah, make when yeah, you yeah, say yeah. pull the taffy and there's hair stuck in it, which is just, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you, Thomas. Yeah, thank you. If you guys ever have questions for us that you want us to talk, theorize, we love film theory and and, and we love, like, what would we do and and all that kind of stuff. We love that type of shit. And either if we can't ever answer you on the show, I definitely will try to answer your questions on Twitter as much as possible. We're also a little more grown up now, so it's not just like, who would win in a fight, Jason or Freddy? I'm sorry. I'll always just hate that. I hated that when I was a kid and I still hate it. But I like real questions. Real meaty questions. Yeah, 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 that we can think about. We can really, really think about. And sometimes it allows us to talk about films that we might 
either never get to cover on the show or maybe it would take us a really long time to cover those shows. So it sort of kind of scratches that itch to, I get to talk about the ring one more time. Yeah, it's <laughs> so. true. It's true. Um, yeah. So yeah, you went to Comic-Con. I did go to Comic-Con, Ottawa Comic-Con. It was really, really a fun time. I only went for one day, but the the uh, it was just a, a really busy weekend for me. How was the horror quotient? Just from what you've told me so far, I was inspired that there seemed to be a little more uh, horror happening. So the usual gang of idiots was always there with uh, with their horror tables and stuff like that. Our, our good friends at Zombie Info, and I think they were probably com- combining. Maybe there was some some Ottawa horror there, but not like a dedicated booth, but. You know, when I see zombie info, I kind of like start lumping them all together. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, there was Romero was there. He was uh, like, you know, really jovial, had his nice big booth and stuff like that. And Sean at Turning Point was saying he missed it and he was sad and he's probably slightly jealous of you. It was pretty cool. The nice thing I like about the Friday crowd for Ottawa Comic Con is we're a very buttoned down city. So all of the business folk are still at work. And so the the con is nice and breezy, and so I can look and and talk to people at my leisure and shit. And I'll tell you, one of the highlights for me was checking out this little haunted house that was right smack dab in the middle of the con. It was called The Cabin in the Woods. That's unique. I've never heard anything entitled that. That's Now, that's brilliant and alone. I don't need to hear anything else about this place. (laughs) Cabin in the Woods. (laughs) Calvin, <laughs> what did you say? What could that be? What it is, is it turns out that this October, Ottawa, the big snore. The big snore, the, yeah. The little, the, the little big city wants to, is going to have a haunted house attraction. What? That isn't Saunders Farm? That's not Saunders Farm. You know, big ups to, to, to Saunders Haunted Hayride and all that kind of stuff. I definitely was there as a kid. It was a good time. But we're going to have another one. And these are done by the people who are handling a lot of special effects that are in coming to that are that horror movies use when they come to Ottawa to film movies such as Clown. Which makes me so very happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I decided to go through it. It was just one room, but it was really, really effective. And I think that what they were explaining it to me was this this cabin in the woods thing. I was talking to this dude, Ben Belanger, and he, founder of uh, Glitch Inc. here in Ottawa, he was telling me that he had did, done some of the special effects on Clown. He had done some of the, he'd done all the special effects of, of for I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, and all that kind of cool stuff. So, and then other films as well that they had on the side of a, a little plaque. To let you know they're legit. Which they're- is cool. I noticed his name at the end of Black Coat's Daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben does frequent what used to be uh, Death Disco, what is now outside a collective. Him and Katrina, they are often at those things. And just from the name of his company, Glitch Inc., I'm wondering if he was involved or probably was the founder of this annual party glitch that would happen every year, which had a lot of performers attend and stuff like that. Extremely cool stuff. Extremely cool dude. Um, so yeah, I, I'm doubly intrigued, not only from the fascinating name of Cabin in the Woods, <laughs> but that Ben's involved. That's fucking cool. Yeah. They said that when productions or when building starts getting underway, they're going to be keeping everyone posted with emails and stuff. I'm going to be on that list to get updated. So I, I'll let you guys know if you're in the Ottawa area where you can go and check it out. I'm definitely going to be going this October. It's nice to have these things in Ottawa, and if you don't go and support them, then you can't complain that you don't get them. Yeah. So it's just another really cool thing to have. And I let me tell you, the the, the little cabin that they made for the, the con, which they basically described as, here's our business card 
of of what we can possibly do. It's just one room, and it was really good, really good. I know that um, a lot of people who went in there got genuinely fucking scared. I would have just gone in and probably been like, "Oh, it feels like home." You know, crack my knuckles and stretch my back and start, have a start seat doing in that the dishes. <laughs> start doing the dishes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it was really really cool. I liked it a lot, and I'll definitely keep you guys posted on that. Cool. I'm very excited. Uh, I got nothing, really. Uh, I'll be visiting the Teasing Publications reading series, Cheese mm-hmm. series. Uh, they do a tour, like, every so many months. There's a reading in Toronto. There was one just passed in Toronto. There's one coming up in Ottawa on June 6th, which I won't be reading at, but I'll be attending. And I do read at them from time to time. So uh, do keep an ear out for those if you're in the Ottawa area. And they have them in Vancouver, I think Calgary. There's a few other cities starting up with chi series reading series so i really enjoy those it is a dark fiction by and large sometimes a little bit of fantasy urban fantasy urban noir some crime we've had like rob poby andrew piper and quite a few readers have attended so i really look forward to those so i'll be visiting that in october on june 6th and way in the future there's cancon that I'll be attending. I'm not sure exactly in what capacity, but I know I will be there doing something spooky and that's not till October. So anyone in the Ottawa area, me and Wes will be harassing y'all to do stuff, not maybe with us, but around us in October. <laughs> you can do stuff with me. And speaking since you mentioned Toronto, by the time this episode goes up, I will be in Toronto for Anime North. It's my 11th one in a row. So if you guys definitely want to come say hi, I'm the friendly one. Yeah. And I will talk to you. Yes. I will have a name tag. So <laughs> I'm very approachable. And I'll guys will keep you updated on Twitter. My Twitter's become the place to be. These totally days. is. It always has been. What a time will become, man. It is the place to be. I'm there. That's true. I mean, fuck my Twitter. No, that's and that's and that's how I know. Like, gang, if you make a party and Lydia shows up, you pretty much have the coolest party ever because, man, this chick does not fucking like anybody. <laughs> uh, that's so true. That's so true. But you know what I do like? What's that? Horace. I had a feeling you might. Because he fucks with people. He fucks with people large. <laughs> and he even fucks with himself. He really Man, does. you know, I, I'd seen this in the Spits and Stars before, and I was not as taken with it when I had forced myself to sit down and really digest this. And I remember thinking, um, I knew somebody in North Bay when I was younger, our, my friend Dillip, who sounds a lot like and looks like a, a very, a far, far more fit and a lot friendlier Horace. Um, but, yeah, there was always sort of like, hey, that guy reminds me of Dillip. But watching it, no, he doesn't remind me of Dillip at all. He reminds me of Charlie Manson, of course. <laughs> Fuck my life, what a guy. Yeah, the role of Horace in this film is sticks with you very, very much. Yeah, it's yeah. a really, really, really cool performance. The only other performance I could liken it to is the, uh, uh, whose name escapes me entirely, the ringleader in The Warriors. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name either. Yeah, yeah. There's not quite a can you dig it speech in this, but... There's not, there's not. But it, at the same thing, but it is that same raw charisma, that magnetism that would get 
such a ragtag group of people together. It's like a fucking Benetton ad. Do you? Like get, a, it is like a Benetton well, ad. Oh yeah, God. it's like you got a guy from India, you got a black guy, you got a, a Chinese lady. You know what I mean? Like, like there's everybody's here. <laughs> yeah, I never really thought about what, how, what a diverse crowd they are. Yeah. Because um, I'm not going to sit back and claim like, well, I don't see color. Um, no, but it. it it would have been far more striking, I think, in the early 70s. Yeah, and and everyone really has such a unique personality within that group. There's some people a little bit more generic than others, but typically speaking, those people are offed pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it it seems like such a pure, transient group of people who would just... Horace just down the street and he would just collect one at a time from these weird from from any station in life right and there's only really one girl that strikes me so much as like a Manson girl style character uh, otherwise they are just so diverse like more like a troubadour but so when he says oh we're a musical group and we our van is broken down on our way to our next engagement which he is so charismatic he's almost wooing the owner of the bakery in yeah. a way mm-hmm. which is nuts and and all of them even have are, are pretty affable at times but then they they just have like this crazy sadistic streak in them which i guess makes sense but when you first meet Horace and the gang you can see that there's something up with them. Something up. Yeah. But marijuana. I, marijuana. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I couldn't imagine what else other people like that do with their spare time. Yeah. Well, they're taking that LSD here. Oh, yeah. is it, you think? Yeah, the LSD. Really? You know, you ever hear of that kind of stuff? It's nope. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Part of this movie plays a little bit like a cautionary it's almost like a reefer madness to me where he's trying to explain to you what lsd might do to people which is hilarious and even you know it is a cautionary tale against the ravages of rabies as well which is oh yeah yeah and they lie they 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 straight up lie they make up symptoms entirely (laughs) that or yeah okay it's called hydrophobia but a rabid dog doesn't go like eek water (laughs) run away run away you know that's not what they mean by hydrophobia but yeah yeah it's pretty good this uh, little endeavor was my idea, good or bad. No, really good. <laughs> and I thought it would be a good opportunity. We had a, a bit of a thread that we're leading towards, somewhat dictated by the fact that we have some fan requests coming up. And I guess this was our long march towards that. We're starting with rabies infection and then going into an, another infection of sorts and then eventually leading to a zombie picture. And I had gotten I Drink Your Blood. Now, Grindhouse Releasing had done this gorgeous, gorgeous release of this film. And if you guys aren't familiar with Grindhouse Releasing, they they do a lot of Grindhouse stuff. Uh, they, they've done uh, Cannibal Holocaust, and they've done Pieces, and the, and uh, the Cat in the Brain, and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, there was something about this box art that really allured me. And I I was aware of I Drink Your Blood. And I remember it because the title was one of those things that grabbed me. I'm very like superficial in that way, where if there's something has like an interesting title, it will pull me towards it. I Drink Your Blood was a good title. And you'd see these posters at conventions and stuff like that. So I definitely picked it up. Cost me a bit. It took me a while to buy it because I had to convince myself that it was worth the money. And holy fuck, do I love it now. 
And after watching it, I, I said, I really want to do this for the show because it's a nice transitionary period of horror. Now, previously, we had seen infection horror before. It was like radiation from space <laughs> with Romero's Night of the Living Dead. And we had seen films where our neighbors were our enemies before. But I Drink Your Blood really elevates it to a whole other level and including the the aspect of rabies. And then, of course, making everyone hippies. And it's weird in a film in 1971, the hippie thing was kind of going away. In the beginning of the 60s, when the hippie movement had started, it was, you know, flowers and sunshine and acid and free love and nice sandals. Want to fuck? That type Incense of thing. Incense and peppermints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really lovey-dovey flowery crap. Now... If you watch documentaries from the 1960s, people who lived through that movement say that towards the end of the 60s, things had changed. Because like anything, uh, it takes a couple of bad apples to spoil the bunch. And the idea of these hippie communes, which were a place that everyone trusted everyone and everything was free and you could put your bag down and leave it and no one would take it. It eventually transitioned into people who were not really part of the hippie movement, but who wanted to be there anyway, either to take advantage of people or because they had nothing better to do. They started bringing in their non-free love ideals and in, in, in hardcore hippies estimation sort of corrupt the whole thing. And then on the outside of that, there was the remnants of Eisenhower's America that won't fucking have it. And, and, and even though you're in a time where oh, now we have like the young, sexy president of uh, JFK and shit like that, and out with the old, there was still like a whole group of buttoned down people that did not like this fucking attitude whatsoever. And this, those are people who movies like this and like <clears throat> Easy Rider and writers like Hunter S. Thompson were very fucking afraid of and made angry by. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. that's who they were reacting to, too. So. Yeah, absolutely. But then at the end of the 60s, in a lot of people's estimation, they were all about to be proven right about this hippie movement, about the what letting con let, losing control of your children will result in because the Manson family blew up and became very, very, very famous. I've got a little passage from Time Magazine. Please go ahead. Read it. I, I'm a big Charlie Manson fan. I could go on for 24 days about Charlie Manson's story. Right? Yeah. Um, after reading Helter Skelter, instead of reading The Hobbit like I normally would in the summer at the cottage... Time to read Helter Skelter. I decided to read Helter Skelter when okay. I was about nine or ten. Very young. Uh, too young. But hey, whatever. Um, Time Magazine has a very small blurb on one of their numerous Tate LaBianca murder timelines. But on August 9th and 10th, 1969, two sets of grisly murders took place in Los Angeles. On the 9th, a gang of four people brutally killed the actress Sharon Tate, who was married to director Roman Polanski and eight and a half months pregnant. Four of Tate's friends and the son of her gardener also died. Tate begged for the life of her unborn child, but was told by one of the female assailants, look, bitch, I don't care about you. I don't care if you're having a baby. You're going to die, and I don't feel a thing about it. Tate's blood was used to write the word pig on the home's front door. The next day, supermarket executive Lino LaBianca and his wife were killed in a similar fashion. A fork used to carve the word war on his belly, left sticking out of his corpse. This time, the leader of the gang took part in the slaughter. 
Authorities would take nearly five months to track down Charles Manson and his so-called family, and when they did, America discovered a terrifying mix of a libertine counterculture and stupefying mind control. His trial ended in 1971 with a death sentence, which was vacated by the U.S. Supreme Court's Declaration of the Penalties on Constitutionality. And they also wrote political piggy and helter skulls. They wrote a lot of things in blood. Uh, the use of writing the word pig is actually duplicated in this film. I wrote it down, actually. I, I said, is this a reference to the Manson family? Most definitely. That or even just a psychological trick. Because let's pretend they'd never heard about the Tate-LaBianca murders, which is yeah. silly to say. Yeah, especially it, it still in, fits within the context mm-hmm. of the film in that particular scene. Yeah. Maybe nowadays there's people who would be unfamiliar if you were to say Tate-LaBianca murders, but there's no one I don't... I, I, a very small percentage, if you say Manson family, oh you my. don't know what that means. Yeah, and everybody knows about Charlie Manson. Yeah, I mean... Uh, the, the, because, they might not even know like the names of the girls. Yeah. They might not know that sort of thing. Yes. They would have an idea in their mind of what they look like. They might not have an idea in their mind of what they look like with shaved head and swastikas carved in their foreheads. Yes. But they have an idea of these uh, pretty doe-eyed, long-haired, plain-looking women that followed them around. The What the Manson family was to the establishment was a golden opportunity to shoot down and to have actual, tangible, not theoretical evidence that what you need to do is follow the rules, stay in line, don't do drugs, otherwise you're going to end up like this. This was the fucking trial of the century. Oh, it helped too because drugs are bad. Music is bad. Fucking nighttime is bad. The desert is bad. Dune buggies are bad. Yeah, you know, not having a job is bad. Mm-hmm. The collecting in groups is bad. Flowers are bad. Yeah. Unprotected sex is bad. Communal lifestyles are bad. Because it yeah. kills people. You will all go insane and kill people. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a conservative's wet dream. Mm-hmm. And the fact that none of them were like, oh, we were all hypnotizing on drugs. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I've learned the error of my ways. No. They spent years defending their actions and mm-hmm. claiming that they didn't care about the lives of others. Yeah. The, 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 the reference to Helter Skelter, as a lot of you probably realize, is a Beatles song that Charles Manson believed was prophesizing a race war. Yeah, because the Beatles and the Beach Boys are the most hardcore punk rock motherfuckers I ever did meet. Well, holy shit, man. I think we all fell under the spell of those lovable mop tops, Lydia. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Beach Boys, I get around. I mean, hello. I know. I know. I know. I can't even understand what half those high-pitched squeals are that passes fucking lyrics. But anyway. Two girls for every guy, Lydia. I know. I know. It's disgusting terrible. filth. It is disgusting filth. <laughs> Straighten your tie. Straighten my tie. I never. My monocle falls into my tea. Which is actually like a, a black vest. He doesn't wear a tie. <laughs> Honestly. But films coming out with evil hippies. This was a no-brainer. This was a banner year for evil hippies. So it's no fucking wonder when David Durston was charged, challenged with the idea to out-horror George Romero. Out-horror George Romero and out-please the conservatives beyond Easy Rider. Yeah, yeah. And so And so this film... He got it got made his idea of making hippies the enemy, which everyone thought they were anyways, and then release it 
And here we have it. Now, his original title, Phobia, later gets changed by the advertising people to I Drink Your Blood. But the message of the film is the same. You have these hippies roll into a town who are Satanists. Because you got to have that in there. Yeah, obviously. Ever, ever since ever, the fucking beginning of time. Not the beginning of time, the beginning of Christianity. It, it, you, you, you're you into sadism. And well, you can make hippies do anything. Because the people who would be watching this and thinking hippies are bad, even though it does have the opposite effect, and I'm sure a lot of really cool, free-loving hippie types would watch this and be like, yeah, this is a radical horror movie, man. But um, you can make them do anything. Because yeah. we don't know what they're doing out there in the desert alone together listening to their fucking rock and roll yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so right away it opens with a satanic ceremony yeah a satanic ish ceremony yeah but i i really i really find this stuff interesting and again horror telling us what people are afraid of and in this time the 60s into the 70s i mean for god's sakes the, the decade ends like your young sexy president had his brain splattered all over television your civil rights leaders were killed unceremoniously patty hurst was happening your the, the scary people were next door and they were taking your daughters mhm and you, yeah your 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 glitzy glamorous famous people were getting butchered and so what are you afraid of the youth culture that spawned all of this in the first place and so we make a horror movie about that. It's fucking brilliant. For for anyone that who has never watched this film because it's a grindhouse film, because you think it might be cheesy, there's a lot going on in this movie, and I fucking love it. But anyways, what is this movie even about anyways? It is about how you should really keep an eye on kids. Not these ones, the young ones, little Dennis the Menace ones. are going to fuck with your shit in your bakery as a small business owner. It's really about the plight of a small business owner and how she really... Ought have had that shotgun in her hand from the get-go and not let that bratty little kid around, let alone anybody in, unless you were like 80 years old and had been there every day from the time she hung her placard out. <laughs> Could you imagine a, a fucking comic strip of Dennis the Menace when he kills like 50 people? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I can. And it is, I drink your blood. Mr. Wilson with a pitchfork in his neck. There's the Mitchell kid. That's exactly what this would have been. And if she'd have kept that horrible child away, I don't know why he thought he could pal around in there as often as he did. Yeah. Why did that kid go to school? I don't know. I guess it's summertime. It's because like all the all these young Dennis and Menace types. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining like Hank Ketchum just drawing a stupid comic strip and legendary comic strip and just being all like, and then the Mitchell kid killed them all. With rapies. <laughs> he probably ended his day every day like that. Just, yeah, do you just think relax. so? He's, he, he's, <laughs> Hank Ketchum has his private Dennis the Menace files where Dennis the Menace was like a serial killer. Man, how cool would that be? Yeah, that would be totally cool. And that would be like the, the origin of that would be this fucking kid, Pete. Yeah. This yeah. horrible child. Yeah, he, well, he's just trying to defend his grandpa. <laughs> I was just mad at them for what they did to grandpa. God damn it. So, this film opens up with a, with a, a, a satanic ritual. And an assault. Yeah. You can tell that these guys, Horace and his crew, was it uh, Roland, Rollo? Rollo. Rollo, that's mm-hmm. it. Horace and his crew... Rollo, who I guess might be a second in command. I'm gonna call him Rolly. 
just because it seems to fit better. But yeah, he is like a second in command. They're yeah, they, they, they definitely are taking this serious to a point. But I feel like they're all in on a gag. I feel as though they're kind of doing this. One of them even says, uh, Andy is, is like, I did it for the lols. I don't know. It's whatever. We're all just a bunch of tra- uh, traveling hippies. And I'm not really a Satanist, but it seems like something fun to do. No, and it's their, their eclectic interests as well. As people who would uh, pick up the Necronomicon and, and follow Ritual out of that uh, for kicks. Or, like, took Dungeons and Dragons very, very, very seriously. And they were probably that sort of person, too. And they do have many eclectic interests. And when you point out that they are uh, representative of many different, like, walks of life, races, and lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Um, um, except the hippie lifestyle, though, where they all kind of agree, where they all overlap. They are bringing all sorts of very interesting, esoteric and eclectic thoughts and practices, hobbies, interests to their fucking acid bashes that they do as they're like rambling around the countryside because they don't really seem to be going any particular place or coming from anywhere in particular either. They're just sort of like dicking around campfire hangouts, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess they do something to pass the time. Let's have a ritual of some sort. Just make it up as you go along. Yeah, and and just throwing some gags. We're all naked because why not? We're all young and sexy and sure, let's be naked. And then, you know, the devil's an acid head. It's this is like whatever, right? So it's not entirely serious. But I mean, that horse is fucking seems like he's a prankster, but to the like 10th degree. He's dead serious about everything. He's dead serious about this ritual to nowhere. He is dead serious about buying fucking meat pies. Yeah. At the bakery the next day. You know, he's just dead serious about everything he does. So why can't he be dead serious about the devil being an acid head too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real freak show. They are doing a ritual and we got ourselves a little... A little doe-eyed non-looker. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't be watching the ritual, though. This is Andy's lady that he met in town. Yeah. Which is cute. I mean, of course she'll go for the Bar- Barney Rubble guy that doesn't really fit in with these bunch of hippies. He's yeah. a Barney Rubble. He's a young Barney Rubble. <laughs> He's a Barney Rubble. <laughs> you classic slur. Totally. Um, but yeah, she's a little bit too naive to really have been there, so I don't know what possessed him to bring her around i don't know if if it was really did she follow him that's what i'm getting like she followed him this guy sort of wandering into town and this town has four or five people in it it's a ghost town in real life it was a ghost town it was an abandoned place that they were going to level anyway so they were given the carte blanche to do whatever with this property that they were taking over but in the film the idea is that people have left this town and there's a lot of construction going on over are they um they're building a dam or something. yeah something yeah, like this that damn dam this damn dam yeah. and so because of it there's basically a family a veterinarian grandpa 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 and then sylvia and then little pete dennis the menace yeah <laughs> pete the menace pete the menace and then you have mildred who runs a bakery to who to the construction workers, I guess? I suppose, because they would eat heartily. And she's dating one of the foremen, so I guess that's why she would stick around. That makes sense. The town will pick back up once the dam's done, too, so she's probably just holding steady until then. That makes sense to me. Now they got a they got a bad case, a bad infection, Lydia, of hippie. Bad hippie infection. Bad hippie infection. There's nothing they can really do. Instead of cleansing the... 
town of hippiness, Mildred basically invites them to stick around. Mm -hmm. Now, they do capture and assault Sylvia, who gets away the next day. They don't kill her or anything like that. Grandpa just doesn't like this. I mean, Grandpa is of a generation that wouldn't fucking suffer these hippies, even if they oh, were just sitting no. outside no, doing nothing. Really. He would have chased them out of the town for sitting outside doing nothing, let alone roughing up his granddaughter with uh, the questionable rape, too. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what they did to her, but they did something. They did something, and many people will jump to the conclusion of alleged rape, or they just like they don't necessarily allege rape within the script of the film. No, not really. But people will assume that that's what happened. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. or just, you know, she spent the entire night on acid in the bush. Yeah, and she does have some scrapes and bruises, a really nasty gash down her thigh. Mm-hmm. So they did something to her, that, and she's not happy, and she's coping with it. But but he, Grandpa is just fucking outraged. Mm-hmm. And now we got these hippies staying in this old abandoned hotel. Had them themselves a little rat hunt. A little rat hunt. I love that scene where they put all the rats in the barbecue. Yeah. I really do. And I don't know what it is that part of me is like, oh, a soft little rat fur. I want to just pet it. And I don't know. I kind of want to taste rat, barbecued rat. They're not preparing it properly, but whatever. Um, yeah. It's just the the sheer amount of rats that they have and the contest that they're having to kill who kills the most rats is sort of enchanting in a way. Do you know those uh, stage rats, the, the live rats that they show in the movie, they became famous rats. Famous rats? Yeah. they The, the, the two main rats that they do close-ups on that are performance rats, yeah. they both went on to be in the, that Ben and Willard those two movies. Oh, really? I was going to guess Willard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Willard and then the sequel, Ben, yeah. these these stunt rats became performers in that movie. <laughs> I just thought it was really interesting. That's cute. Isn't that is it? adorable. So we have some rat stars. We do on, 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 on the rise. Yeah, rat yeah. stars on the rise. Yeah. So anyone who's a real big fan of Willard or Ben must see I Drink Your Blood. They're rat <laughs> stars in their originating role. It's true, it's true. I love it. I love it. I do love the rat hunt. Yeah, it's a good scene. And all of that is real destruction. They are really smashing that building. That's real glass. It's not stunt glass. They're all just smashing this stuff. It's just, it's good. And it brings a, a level of authenticity to it. But that's neither here nor there. It makes me feel a little bit better you saying that it's a ghost town. That they were allowed to just run amok and smash up. So it's not like... Oh, apparently they were leveling the whole thing mm-hmm. in a month. So it didn't matter. It was oh. like the house in... Night of Living Dead. They were they were flattening that whole thing anyway, so just whatever. Yeah, just do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Come on, rats. <laughs> it's pretty good. What do you think of our what do you think of our band of hippies? What do I think of our band of hippies? Well, I've already stated how much I dig Horace. Horace is a charismatic crazy. I could just watch him forever for whatever reason. And it's not just all of his lines and his physical performance. Uh he is he's not like a caricature of a hippie, but he does an amazingly convincing job of that and a convincing job as a ringleader as well that no one's really going to contest. Except Rollo, of course, mm-hmm. who is another one I could just watch all day long. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the dynamic of those two. And they're not just caricatures. They're not just textbook hippies. And I really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy is Barney Rubble. Like, whatever. He fits in, doesn't fit in, but he fits in like Bobby Bolsillet fit into the family, I suppose. Like, didn't really fit in. Uh, the girls, I like that they're not all just interchangeable hotties. That's true. They're yeah. they're they're very different looking, all of them. And the one that is the most uh, Manson girl looking 
Hottie has no lines because she's mute. Carrie, and I love her for that. And I love her look. And I love everything about her character. Yeah. Which Lynn, is crazy. Lynn Lowry. You know, um, this, this is for horror trivia fans. She had no, there was no part for her in this film. It was her audition, her look that got a role written for her, basically. But she has no lines. And she's not credited in this film. And I had to do a little deep dive to find out what her character's name even fucking was in this movie. I had to, like, look, look, look for it. And I was like, oh, okay, her name is Carrie, so I gotcha. Yeah, there's one one scene where the pregnant hippie does refer to her by name when they're in the farmhouse. And that's the only scene. Um, But I couldn't catch the pregnant hippie's name. I believe she is the other Sylvie. Okay, which makes deep confusion. For oh, absolutely. anyone that's reading cast lists or trying to figure out who's who by the the uh, credits at the end of the film, sorry, you're not going to have a lot of yeah. luck. <laughs> Arlene uh, Farber, our uh, young ingenue, who plays Sylvia, is the 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 the, the, the main female lead. Yeah, who, Pete's who, sister, who is the uh, granddaughter, who gets roughed up in the forest. Yes, Sylvie, from what we can gather, is the uh, the pregnant hippie. Now. It doesn't help that like Lynn Lowry and Arlene were not credited at all in these things. No, yeah, which makes the naming very, very confusing. And I'm like, uh, okay, so her name is Sylvie, the pregnant hippie, but I don't even remember them calling her by name whatsoever, yeah. which is ridiculous. Uh, but I really like her character and I really like her dynamic with Carrie because Carrie is a mute and quiet and seems to be her counterpart. And Sylvie being this loud mouth, almost like a divine sort of person. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah like so yeah, when no, she I, takes I, her wig off at the end, I was just like, there. there's more of this why I'm getting this divine vibe. Yeah. Yeah. You Very know what? Subtle. Now that you say that, yeah, yeah, yeah I definitely see what you're saying there mm-hmm. <laughs> but i liked her character even though i kind of hated her character because i'm like you you like you inconsiderate peg you are pregnant and you're carousing around with these hippies and who know going like doing what drugs drinking uh crazy sex stabbing people like i don't know what the fuck you're doing with your life but you're pregnant so you know you've gotten yourself into this situation you should either like abort or go fucking take care of your guts but she does sort of take care of Carrie, so that sort of helps soothe that a little bit. So I'm like, she does have some sort of mother instinct, even like a tiny little spark of a mother instinct, because she sort of takes care of Carrie, which is mm-hmm. neat. Um, so her character is full of a lot of contradictions, and I really mm-hmm. like her. And that she is like the polar opposite of what you picture as far as like a typical hippie hanger on girl. She's the dead opposite of that. Uh, and Molly, I believe, is the other girl's name? Molly is the other woman's name, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a, She likes sex and... She's like, rolling. <laughs> if you want to, like, take the name Molly right to its fucking, like, modern fucking conclusion. <laughs> wow. What a piece of work. She's cool, though. I like her. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, Shelly is just our generic... He's he's Dude. basically he's Andy with black hair. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And and the and the really uh, very hippie pants because they got like the the flower pattern on them and shit. And they fuck with him the worst. I feel like he's like the one in the hippie commune that they all make fun of because he's in the van when they push the van off the like a prank. That's what I'm saying. It's like Horace's idea of what's funny is a partially loaded gun to your head. Click click. Which is, again, very fucking Manson family. Yeah. Or, oh my God, guys, 
Shelly's asleep in the van. The van doesn't work or whatever. Let's push this van down an incredibly steep hill. Do you think, would he care if he, if he died? Would he care if anyone died? Or, or because there's a part of me that 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 Horace comes off as a bit of a larper, where he's where he's a bit of a larper, yeah, yeah. Where, where he's where he's I'm a Satanist, and the power of Satan goes through you. He's an acid head, you know. The baby you carry is going to be the son of Satan, and whoever kills the most rats for me today can be the Dark Lord for one whole day. Your rule will be law. So he's, I mean, he doesn't talk like that, but he, he almost does. But if you're racked up on acid, that sounds intriguing. And <clears throat> sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Rats. yeah. And also back in the 70s, we didn't know as much as we know these days about things like concussions or food poisoning. So That's true. We didn't have those same sorts of day-to-day fears. Yeah. And when you're, you know, on acid as, as often as, as these people are, uh, the whole world is kind of a cartoon. So you're going to think that, well, either he'll die in the van, haha, or he'll wake up and it'll be funny. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but Horace really toes this line, this fascinating performance of this character who toes a line between a very friendly, affable guy to someone who seems incredibly dangerous without the rabies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He is. So he kind of embodies these like Shakespearean Rosencrantz and Guildenstern kind of like comic relief and our villain all in one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Except he doesn't go missing on a boat. No. And I'm so glad he didn't. Instead, Mm-mm. they get hungry after all this carousing and hanging up Shelly and stabbing his feet for fun. Yeah, what's that all about? It's fun, Wes. I guess. It, I, I Maybe guess. he had too much back bile in his humors and they had to bleed him a little. Yeah, you definitely get the idea that when Rollo w- wins the rat competition and he be- he gets to be their leader for that day. I mean, it's definitely, again, I don't think Horace would relinquish that role at all. But for the sake of, of this little reward, sure. Rollo definitely seems almost so eager to take on a leadership role that he seems even a little bit more intense than Horace even is. Mm-hmm. It's going to one-up the reindeer games by... Basically, like, basically, yeah. each other and stab our feet. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This whole time, they have this much older Asian lady, Sue Lin, that's just part of their group. And... I'm wondering. She's dressed like she's in a kung fu movie. Yeah, like she's got like the like these these uh, aqua seafoam fucking robes and uh, like a hairpin, and she's doing tarot cards, and she's like I'm mystical and and shit. I guess. Yeah, Jaden Wong's super duper cool. Yeah, she's cool, very quiet, and the, um, the horse seems to listen to her. Like, in a way, she seems to be very calm and then will make suggestions. And Horace seems pretty inclined to listen to her. So they're basically an RPG party. Yeah. 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 And she's the priestess. (laughs) Something like that. Someone with all the intelligence stats. Yeah. Basically. Because it seems like that, right? Mm -hmm. Where where she is, I'm going to be the voice of reason. Because when Grandpa goes to the hotel... He's got his double barrel shotgun. He comes in there and sees fucking Shelly hanging, getting his foot cut. And then he's going to, you guys got to get out of here. Horace is all smiles, but it quickly turns to violence and they beat the fuck out of this old man. Yeah. 
Because they're so mean. <clears throat> and then they put they they force feed him acid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, what's gonna happen here? And then Pete shows up, but th- it seems to everyone else that when a kid shows up, sort of the fun and games are over. But Horace is about escalation. He, he got him going now, right? And so he's chasing the kid and he's fucking up the grandpa. And I guess they're thinking, okay, so we're fucking up this guy and roughing him up. We're kind of bad people anyways. But I don't think they actually want to kill anybody. And, and that seems to be crossing the line as far as this hippie. Some of them don't have a fucking a real opinion on it. But people like Molly and shit seem to definitely have an opinion. Sylvie, they definitely have an opinion on, okay, you're taking it too far now. Yeah. So that's how come I really get this idea that I would say the majority of them probably aren't really Satanists. They don't really believe in anything. But much like fucking Andy, it's doing it for the lols. Just yeah. this seems it's something to do, whatever. I don't want to have a job and we can just mosey around. And the- it's impossible to answer. Is is Horace too far gone on drugs or is he genuinely a hate-filled, dangerous person? There's no distinction between those things and it's really hard to tell. So it's easy to convince yourself that he's just so far gone on drugs or so high on his own shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he is just an evil person. I, yeah. But he's so friendly. It's hard to really swallow that too. It's it's hard. I, I think that I, I get the distinct impression that the way that Horace backs off of Pete eventually and how it's the next day. It almost hasn't even happened yeah. as far as they're concerned. Yeah. They don't even care anymore. It's over. They did, they, the, they made their point, whatever they felt that point was, but it, I definitely feel that Horace was getting carried away. The heat, the excitement, the fact that he's the de facto leader of this group and, and he's on like a handful of liquid acid. Yeah. And, and has every, been and, for days and yeah. everyone's watching him. So there's mm-hmm. this, well, I can't let this kid get away fr- from me after he like kicked me in the balls or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, he needs to make a point. And I have a sneaking suspicion that even if he were to grab that kid and bring him back to him, I don't even know what the point. I don't even think he would know what, what he was going to do next. It would all just be – there's no plan, right? Yeah. It would all have just been drug-fueled, seat-of-your-pants <laughs> improvisation. That's why he's like a LARPer. Yeah. And, and, and so that results in – Grandpa beat up. Pete's fucking mad. You don't want to make Pete mad because there's a second problem. With Dennis the Menace here. Dennis the Menace, who has access to a rabied dog. Now, Yeah, because he grabbed a gun and was going to go and take care of this himself. Because he was pretty pissed off for, what, seven-year-old or, yeah. or whatever he is. Um, little Dennis the Menace. Little chubby little fucking vendetta. He encounters a rabid dog and shoots it. So he also has access to not only a gun and hatred, but he has access to his grandfather's veterinary supplies. Yeah. So he picks up uh, in in what kind of a cute scene when he's like checking all the syringes to make sure that they work. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of cute. But he goes yeah. out and collects a whole bunch of rabid dog blood. He really does. And you're starting to think, what is this fucking Billy Jigsaw type thing that he's going to be doing with this? He's... This fucked up Dennis the Menace MacGyver type character. It's cute. Oh, by the way, if you pre-ordered this, if you pre-ordered the Blu-ray for this, you got yourself a little syringe prop thing for them. I don't, I don't have it because I waited too long to buy it. But like, they, you definitely have that. But I'm anyway, I'm gonna say I don't have it because it's trash, and I put it in the recycling bin immediately. No. Oh. Anyways, now what he's going to do is his fucking master plan is these 
Mildred is kind of the only game in town for food. Yeah. These people, I mean, I don't know, maybe they would eat the rats they caught, but they need to eat eventually. They're throwing them on the barbecue. You know, I'd have eaten rat meat probably, maybe. Not from them, but like, yeah. Maybe. I don't know if I would eat a rat that's just been hastily skewered and then put on a fire. That's but the only way to eat a rat. Maybe. But yeah, the the meat pies um, definitely are a step up from rat dinner. Yeah. Then at first, they don't want the meat pies. And I thought it's almost you're getting into sitcom territory where it's you want the meat pies. Maybe they're going to do the old switcheroo, like with the meat pies and shit. And it's crazy because they, who goes in there with them? Rollo? I think Molly, mm-hmm. whomever. They, they, they roll into this bakery to, to bring food back for everybody. Maybe uh, Andy. Can't quite remember. And and Rollo is all, hey, kid, what's up? No, no, no. Don't you got anything else? Like It's just calm, rational. It wouldn't seem so bad. Yeah, if, these, like, if these people were in your town, it wouldn't seem like a problem at all. No, no. Especially if they're going to buy like two dozen fucking meat pies. Yeah. 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 And sure enough, they bring them back. But we fucking see that fucking Pete's put fucking gross ass. Dog blood. Dog blood in there. That's this weird off red orange color. This eating scene. I was wondering about this. Yeah. I figured this might have been why you chose this film. I forgot this scene was in the movie. Oh, sure you did. Uh, It is the squickiest eating scene of all the squicky eating scenes. I couldn't watch most of it. It goes on for a century, too. Oh, God. There's a few mouth things in this film that really I couldn't watch. I just couldn't watch and I have a very strong stomach when it comes to all sorts of gore. You know, I could name all some of my favorite things that I've seen in horror films that are very, very, very gross that many people wouldn't be able to watch. But these people eating meat pies, no fucking way. No fucking way. It's right up there with, like, creamed corn and Twin Peaks. <laughs> Can't even watch it. Can't even watch it. And the sounds, you know. Yeah. Something to be said for the sound work in this. It is very good. The music is interesting, cloying, annoying, um, infectious, maybe. The synth score, and it is old-fashioned synthesizers. You know, they have wavelength modulators or whatever. I don't know the terminology for old moogs. They're using, like, old moogs and stuff. Very infectious, insane sound work. So the sound design is really on par with any large production of the time. So the Foley work and the sound, just the sound gathering that they did for this eating scene, is fucking nerve-wracking for me. I cannot stand mouth sounds coupled with mouth scenes. My fucking God. It is horrific, grotesque, unsettling, and just plain wrong. The music for this is done by Clay Pitts. So the sound and everything that you're hearing, he is the, the, the cat responsible for that. Thank you, Mr. Pitts. You're welcome. You quite literally are the Pitts. Yeah, it is the Pitts. For me, man, I cannot stand this. So anyone out there that's a little bit uh, sensitive the, to that. The other thing careful. that they were doing that I know the drivers, there were a lot of hand eating for, it's not Ugh. It's not hand food. A meat pie to me is not hand food. Molly is sitting there eating with a knife and fork. Like a normal like, human being. But Horace and them is just like. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy to me. This is where you get, this is where Barney Rubble gets some points because Andy doesn't eat with them. Yeah, neither does Shelly. Shelly is not eating because he's uh, unconscious. (laughs) Yeah. He lost a lot of blood being strung up and having his feet bled. I kept forgetting about Shelly. I don't, I forget about Shelly until we can't help but pay a lot of attention to Shelly later on. 
Uh, but yeah, I do keep forgetting about Shelly. But that's how come you know that Andy is even less like everyone than than you might assume. Now, he didn't eat the meat pies. Everyone else did. He wants to go for a roll in the hay with his new girlfriend. He does. Sylvia and just back. And even though roughed her up and shit like that, and she's not happy about it. But No, but she's awfully forgiving, which leads me to believe that maybe she wasn't raped. Or if she I don't was, think it's possible. Yeah, maybe she had had some like questionable consent sex that evening, um, but nothing that made her hate them with the undying hatred the i spit on your grave levels of hatred oh, that's what i'm saying there's there's one i spit on your grave moment in this film yeah yeah the the with the choking the 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 rope apparatus thing so i was i was thinking about that mm-hmm. when we were watching it or there was I a, was a couple of scenes where i was thinking about that film or a lot of, of other rape revenge films actually yeah, uh, yeah later scenes with molly and stuff like that yeah. 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 yeah man, Which it does get kind of rough, but there isn't actually any rape on screen. No, there isn't any rape on screen, but geez whiz. Mm-hmm. Gee whiz. So she's awfully forgiving. So for anyone out there who's, you know, sees a girl uh, like stumbling out of the forest and is convinced that she's being raped, you're going to jump to those conclusions. Just calm down. Yeah. Just simmer down. I don't think that there's any real evidence that she was. No, because she is very forgiving of her I, new boyfriend. I would need I would need the director who uh, slash writer of this, who the same person in, in this case, to to explicitly say that, that is what happened. Mm. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. maybe a line of dialogue, man, to substantiate that. And she seems to know very well what it's like to be dosed on acid, and that seems to be all that had happened to her the night before, because she seems to know the ins and outs of a of a. Hardcore acid trip. A grandpa, grandpa is coming down. Is tripping balls on fucking acid. There's this one. He's got the salt and pepper shaker, like horns on his head. What's wrong with grandpa? Fiddly dee. Yeah, poor Pete. What? He doesn't know nothing. What? They're on. They're on something they call LSD. LSD. What's that? That L stuff you were talking about. I don't, I don't know anything about that L stuff. But I know a lot about rabies. <laughs> Fuck. What a kid. Yeah, I, I I would argue one's harmless and the other's not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's fucking crazy. Fucking crazy. Now, interestingly enough, there's an extended scene. Yeah, I was just going to say, you said there's an extended scene of this acid trip, which would be even more horrific. Yeah, Richard Bowler in this scene, who plays uh, Grandpa, Grandpa Banner, his his scenes are all very good. But his scene where he's tripping balls on acid that's been extended in the Blu-ray extras is quite sublime. He has a vision of seeing Pete and Sylvia's parents and is incredibly protective that they've come back from the grave and they want to take Pete and Sylvia away from him because he's not doing a good job raising them. The town's dead. These hippies are here. He tried to, he can't protect his granddaughter. He tried to do something and he got his ass fucking beat. And Pete the whole time is like, Grandpa, Grandpa, there's no one there. And with like shivering and tears in his eyes, he's scream growling at these people to get out of the house and and to keep Pete back and, and force them out the door and then locking it and saying, don't you open this door. It's a really cool scene. I liked it a lot. Some of the really crazy acid trips that you hear about in fiction are... So terrifying and so unrealistic, mm-hmm. and it's it's 
sort of depressing that sort of mind game that people who write about these acid trips and try and portray it as such an evil thing mm -hmm. uh, for the public. It's a sort of a mean trick they're playing on people who've never done acid before. Yeah. Because it's it's like, I think it's like you do heroin once and you're hooked. You take acid and you're going to have wicked flashbacks. And you're cocaine, gonna, cocaine. Yeah. Like. Um, I, 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 weed, something as simple as marijuana. I've never. <laughs> To all due respect. You never fucking I've, stole a car and run someone over? Well, for fuck's sake, you know, you, you take weed and, and you think, oh, man, this is going to be great. It's, this is going to be Jay and Silent Bob. This is going to be Cheech and Chong. This is going to be... And, and it's nothing. You get kind of tired and <laughs> and it, it's not... The hijinks do not ensue because you're a stoner. And no one who is stoned acts the way that I've seen in movies. Not really. No, and a lot of like the really, really scary bad trips, which, you know, it does happen. It does. It certainly does. It does, yeah. Um, not quite with the, the vivid real, the vivid reality of some of the very worst trips like you'll see. Uh, and granted, he was on a lot more drugs for a lot longer in Fear and Loathing, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yes, yes. Um, we got six tits all up your back <laughs> yeah that sort of carve a little zoom in my forehead um with that sort of crazy stuff on this trip or the trips that are described in the book by anonymous uh go ask alice some of those uh trips where you call your skin off and shit like that mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. that isn't really the reality of hallucinogenic drugs just put that out there yeah yeah it's yeah. interesting but this this all culminates into our hippie tribe just sitting back sweating starting to have a little bit of upset stomach and getting a little agitated and being you know yeah they think it's food poisoning yeah because their stomachs are upset that's what horace is doing his gun stuff people don't seem to be in into his shenanigans right now it's not like they're mad about it it's it's more that they just don't have the energy to even laugh at it or to be mad about it. They're just not feeling good. And so they don't really want to deal with anything. They're hot. And you can feel the heat coming off of this group. They do a really nice job. I don't know if the set itself was Texas Chainsaw hot. Yeah, it might have been. Or even if it wasn't, it's just a, a good trick of the lighting there. And the fact that they're all sweaty and the fact that they're all tired and they mm -hmm. all look fucking tired. Yeah. Um, I like the, the juxtaposition between the time that um, Andy leaves, pissed off at the hall mm -hmm. for their reindeer games, and goes and hangs out with his girlfriend. Um, but when he comes back, the difference in the group is noticeable. Oh yeah, yeah, because now they're stabbing each other and shit like that, and they're actually gone a little bit off the deep end. Rollo has this crazy scene with Sue Lynn, mm -hmm. who's doing tarot cards by herself maybe trying to read everyone's fortune or at least her own fate because she seems to know that she she's the one that voices that it must be there's something wrong with the food because she says Horace none of us are feeling good right now like there has to have been something wrong with the food yeah then when everyone's asleep in their hippie pile Rollo looks to Sue Lin who pulls the death card and I want to interject it's like, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to die. No. That doesn't. Uh, that's not what the death card in in, in tarot means. No, the wheel is worse, and so is the tower. They're yeah. Both, like, way yeah. worse cards. My brother was way into tarot cards as a kid, so I'm, I'm, I know a little. 
I know a little bit. You know enough to know that the death card is <laughs> a bad card. Yeah, I was, but it seems Horace seems to at the very least think that the pincushion aspect, I don't know if she's using the suit of swords or whatever, but it seems to be something like that. And he goes over to Shelly with a dagger. It's a still a stiletto dagger that uh, Sue Lin has and stabs Shelly multiple times in the chest. And I'm wondering, Sue Lin seems genuinely afraid of Rollo at that point, as they all do, because he's just killed somebody. But why did you give him the dagger then? Well, she's also probably on whatever drugs they normally do. In yeah, the day. there's that. Yeah, because you're you gotta remember, and I had to remind myself a couple times. It's like this is not just that's they, rabies, and they do state that in the film that yeah. it's a combination of rabies and all the LSD that they're on. Yeah, uh, she's also just a very calm individual. Mm-hmm, she is, and she's not. Gonna, she doesn't seem argumentative. So. What what would she do? Pick a fight with a, a a rabid fucking acid head about whether she's gonna hand him a knife or not? No. That and it's also the curiosity of like let's just see where this goes. Like let's just see where our satanic ritual goes. Let's just go see where hanging our friend from the rafters and stabbing his feet goes. Like I think she's just along for the ride like anybody else. Whether she's old and seems like she would know better or not, and is just a very placid individual or mm-hmm. not, still in the same boat as the rest of them and just mm-hmm. going along with it. Mm-hmm. Because she, I mean, and when we say old, she's really only 10, she's maybe 10, 15 years older than Yeah, than yeah, the she's rest not like them. a grandma. Or no, 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 no. But then, <laughs> Rollo takes it one step further, because murder is not enough. Let's get a little mutilation in, mm-hmm. like you do. And so now he's chasing people with Shelly's severed foot. <laughs> Which is hilarious. When he chases Molly out, and this is when they begin to scatter. Yeah. The rabid hippies scatter. Yeah. Uh, he's chasing Molly around in the same sort of way that like a, a young teenage boy would chase his sister around with a snake around the camp. Um, dead frog or yeah. something. And she's like squealing and running, which is hilarious, I think. But it is a severed foot. Their friend's severed like leg. Yeah, it's, it's from the knee down. Mm-hmm. So it's got the shin there, too. Mm-hmm. And he's just running through the woods with a, a part of a leg. And uh, I think he's got an axe at that point. Yeah, which he hangs onto this axe for a good while. Yeah, and that like, seems to be his the axe. weapon of choice. If, that, if, this, if this is indeed an RPG party, that's his weapon that he put the most stats into. Yeah, that or whether it has a lot of stats or not, if it's one that you don't have to repair, then I'm hanging onto it forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Horace has got himself a fucking sword. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of weaponry on the walls, because he just plucks this from the wall. Yeah. Like, he would have a decorative sword, Mm -hmm. which surprises me that it's usable. Yeah, typically speaking, if you were to have one of those swords that you can get at a kiosk in a mall... It'll break if you try. And you might be able to, to use it as a, a weapon a couple of times. But no. And later on, when they're actually having an axe versus sword fight, <laughs> That's the thing. it I, must be a viable sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it has to be because otherwise it would break. I mean, some of those swords that you see, the decorative swords, if they're sharp at all, I mean, it would break on bone. Yeah. It wouldn't. I, I can't even imagine it being able to like successfully lop someone's head off. So you. So yeah, he's got himself a legit sword. Like whatever. It's the seventies. <laughs> we had a legit sword at my house when I was a kid. I have a legit sword now. Yeah. 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 That you could lop someone's head off. With. I could. I definitely could. So, gang, if you're thinking about infecting me with rabies, don't because it'll only hurt yourself. Horror experiments, oh man. 
If you're yeah. infected with rabies and on LSD, I bet you I could get your sword away from you, or you might even just forget where it is. <laughs> Wes, can I have your sword? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not knowing the fuck's happening. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is it is interesting to point out that this is not – you might be just saying, well, then they're just acting like zombies. No, they're not because this is a case in this film where if you were infected with rabies, it's not as though you ignore other people who are infected with rabies. You <laughs> – it, you attack any and everyone indiscriminately. The only people that don't seem that seemed able to work together in a pack are the construction workers. Because they're used to acting like that, I think. I think that's the only reason. And I love that dynamic of... Jesus Christ, Molly rolling in there is like a fucking scene out of American Graffiti. Yeah, or the accused. I mean, Jesus oh, yeah, Christ. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a terrifying moment. That's actually more terrifying to me, where she's just like, I'll hop into this flatbed full of fucking very horny construction workers. Yeah, yeah. And brings it because she is too terrified. The rest of them are gone. Horace, Rollo's in the woods somewhere. Yeah. God knows what he's doing. Uh, the girls are all gone. They just ran down the road. Yeah. Basically. They're all gone. Shelly has is in pieces now. Yeah. Uh, Which I think, I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but I think it's hilarious. Because uh, that's like his claim to fame in this film. It's basically what he does. He gets strung up, gets his cut feet, gets gets his feet cut, gets his chest stabbed, gets his leg locked off, gets like kind of tossed in the corner at one point, just like a jumble of fucking body parts. Yeah. yeah. He's in the van that they pushed down the hill. Uh, he's the lovable loser. He is the lovable loser. Disposable. Disposable loser, yeah. yeah. Completely. Um, but, like, even Andy has run down the road and it's tried to flag down Mildred, who happens to be driving by. And she just drives by all these hippies scattering in the woods like it's like a fucking everyday event. She comes back around and back and forth a couple times in her car through the course of this film in the next like little bits. But uh, at first, she's just like seeing hippies in the bush is like a normal thing. She doesn't stop to help anyone, which is just really strange to me. Even people trying to flag her down. But whatever. Um, Molly has ended up with these construction workers who've been tasked to go and remove the hippies or see what's going on at the old hotel. And she, like, the only thing that makes it feel a little bit safer that she's in amongst all these guys is, A, she's rabid. (laughs) And you know that. She doesn't know it yet, but you know it. And she is just a very sexually charged individual who would probably gangbang all these guys on, on a regular day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's she, game for that. Yeah, she definitely is the type of woman who is using her sexuality to try to coerce Pete into just chilling the fuck out and knows the fact that she's good looking and then therefore can get men to protect her, which seems to be what she wants. She's scared and she wants these guys to go and check the hotel for her and not leave her alone. And if that means that she has to fuck 30 guys, fine, easy, done. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. She'll get like drugs and fed and safe. You know, it's, um, what grass ass or gas. No one rides for free, Lydia. She provides all those or will do whatever she needs to get some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very hippie, very 70s, free-loving individual this morning. Yeah. 
But her rabies has started to kick in. Oh, yeah. And after these dudes are done doing the deed, she go, they go back to wherever the construction workers are sleeping. And there's even more. And it's... Like just like a bunk of some sort. Like a bunker I'm, of some sort. I'm not a prude. I don't feel I'm a prude, Lydia. Like, I don't. No. I feel like I'm a very sex-positive person. I'm down for kind of whatever. But also, I feel as though I am not the type of person, and there's nothing wrong with this, I feel, that is not down to for my work friends to bring someone to this place and say, who wants to have sex with her in this room with all of us? Let's do this. There's the, 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 it's weird. It's really weird. Now, I guess you've been working on site for weeks or maybe a months. Who knows? The girl from Miles is Mildred. Mildred, who Rich is already, that's my lady. Yeah. And so everyone else is just all pent up or whatever, but they're just a bunch of like party boys that. But she, the safe level here is that she, at first, before like the rabies takes hold, because this isn't that she decides that she, this is a bad scene and she doesn't want any part of this sex party yeah uh because the rabies make that decision for her uh she seems completely comfortable there yeah so yeah, she does it doesn't really have a really bad feeling for me and any yeah. of the men that aren't interested in being a party to that or observing that have every right to to vacate or if they didn't want that going on in the place that they hang their hat they could tell them all to take the party elsewhere yeah, yeah, they, they all have the power could. to do these things. Yeah. yeah, well, I definitely think that Molly is is down for this because she's hopped up on acid and she's got rabies and she's just down. I suppose her sexuality, which would be arguably her most prominent characteristic, has just exploded. Just like how Horace's and Rollo's mean streaks have been accentuated. By all of this, right? Carrie's aloofness gets accentuated (laughs) from this this rabies. It seems whatever character trait you are most prominent for gets elevated to the 10th degree. Yeah. Right? That's what it seems. Right. But so now we got a fucking problem because we got 20, 30, 50 fucking construction workers. Like five. Fuck, man. No, what, 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 once once we see towards the end of the film, there's so many yeah, of them. Yeah, later in the film. Later. I mean, in this scene Oh, here. in this scene yeah. right now. Yeah, for sure. When when they go back to the hotel, Horace is there. And the boys that go to check the hotel, they get aced. Now, this is the thing that reminds me of the I Spit on Your Grave thing, because Horace basically uses a noose pulley system to choke, kill one of them instantly, breaks his neck yeah. when he when he drops down with his full body weight. And that really reminds me of I Spit in Your Grave. You know that scene in the tree where, where, she pulls, where she pulls up on the dude? It's that. And then this other guy just gets fucking knifed. And Shanked, basically. Basically, yeah. Guts pouring out. It's great. This movie, by the way, first of its kind to be rated X for violence only. Mm-hmm. Not for because there isn't any real sexual content. No, you see tits, you see naked girl, you see Molly naked in the shower, being brutalized in a way because she's not being brutalized sexually. No, at, at that time, uh, it's sort of like a, a fight to shower her, but she has hydrophobia. She has hydrophobia. Yeah. yeah, so the water is like making her mad, which isn't how rabies works. I was going to say, I got educated about rabies in this film. Tommy, a lot of it. You sort of did. You got a backwards education in rabies. I got a 70s education on rabies. You did get a 70s. It was probably all very accurate in the 70s. Rabies. You get it from toilet seats. (laughs) 
and the color red excites you. Yeah, that's where I was. That's when I heard that line. I said, okay, come on, guys. I'm not a doctor, but I feel like that's some fucking pseudoscience right there. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Some of the rabies symptoms are ridiculous. But hey, it works Works for some of these scenes and explains how they come to these scenes that afford us some really good visual effects because it is very gory and it is very bloody. The Pete at this point has come to his sister because... He knows that he's dosed all of these people with rabies and they're all gone batshit insane. So he runs to save her in a way because she's with Andy. And in his mind, he's like, oh, fuck, I dosed all these hippies with rabies. He's about to go rabid on my sister. That's true. They're having a little roll in the hay. A real literal roll in the hay. (laughs) They are basically rolling in the hay. They really, really are. With their clothes on. Yeah. Yeah. It's very chaste. It is very chaste. So it's a good thing because Pete comes busted in there. You don't want to see like titties hanging all over. Yeah, sure. I don't want to see my sister on the jub. Oh my God. (laughs) But yeah, so he's like, I just came in here to save you. I'm just mad at them for what they did to grandpa. I fed them dead dog blood and gave them all rabies. That's fucking crazy. Rabies is a death sentence, kid. Yeah, it totally, totally is. You can get vaccinated, yeah. You but can. I doubt they're all going to be rushing to the fucking hospital at this point. I had, I had heard that once the late stages of rabies had has come on, you can correct me if 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 I'm if I'm wrong. But once the late stages of rabies have come on, all you can really do is try to make the person comfortable. Yeah, and because they're they're dead. They're this. They definitely are. It's like mad cow disease. Yeah. It's like a lot like mad cow disease. Any sort of, it's the swelling in the brain later on that eventually will do them in or the dehydration. Like yeah. Whichever one gets you first. Um, it's not the sheer madness of bloodlust though. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Um, but he didn't eat the pie, which I really like this scene just for, like it does a lot of work in a really short amount of time, which mm-hmm. I really like. Um, where Pete confesses basically Sylvia says he's crazy <laughs> to shut up and go away, mm-hmm. bratty kid, and let me get my nice big D I got hanging out here with me. Yeah. And the nice big D in Andy says, oh, my God, kid. Because he gets it all right away. Because he's like, this is why they mean so crazy. This is why they killed uh, Shelly. This, this explains fucking everything. And he's like, I didn't eat the meat pies. Yeah. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. So now they have to go and... What save Grandpa? I think I think it, it becomes a matter of saving Grandpa and also Mildred's there. So there's still people in the town that they have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And sh- and and well, man, call the cops because the they cops. killed Shelley. Yeah, at least and <laughs> stop them before they kill anybody else. They don't really need to call the cops because they fucking never do. Mm. But, but but the spillage of this tragedy is beyond their control anyway. They don't need to call the cops because guess what? They find Molly's mangled body at the bottom of a valley. I don't know if they if the construction workers basically beat her to death and then chucked her over i don't know if molly fell it's hard to say i would get the impression that the construction workers in their madness killed her yeah or she, well it could have been a real meeting of minds there it could have been like rabies versus rabies and yeah, things, it, yeah she's fighting because because she was infected long before they were yeah so and and it basically comes down to as the doctors will now tell us their individual constitution. This is where we get a laundry list of the symptoms of what rabies do to people. Everything from the extreme hydrophobia, the inability to swallow, the the heat, the stomach pains, the fact that you can't exchange fluids with them, you can't touch them, 
if the color red excites them. <laughs> yeah. Some made up symptoms, but some that are <clears throat> that are accurate, sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And of course, it is not just the rabies. It is the combination of rabies and the LSD that is making these people violent to this degree. And with the construction workers, I think you get a little more of that pack mentality because there's nothing, you know, a rabid dog is scary, rabid fox is scary, rabid animal is scary, but a pack of rabid things. And you sort of like think that with like rabid bats, it's like a big flock. And you sort of have that mechanism with the construction workers because they are all kind of drones. It reminds me more of the crazies at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Lynn Lowry would go on to star in the crazies uh, not too long after this. So. Yeah, which is another fun infection movie that I wish we were throwing into the mix right here. I, You know, I did think about it after the fact. I, I said, oh, man, you know what? There's fucking room for, the, for Romero's crazies another day. Yeah. We yeah, can always we'll just do to. it again. We'll just have to. Yeah. More infection stuff for everybody. Fuck, why not? But yeah, the construction workers uh, raiding the hotel is a really wonderful scene. Uh, not all because they're they're all kind of dressed the same, so it it uh, helps create the image that this is like way bigger and way more out of control. Because instead of just these few lovable hippies that we've grown to know and understand and feel for that are all infected one by one. It's just this nameless, faceless glut of, like you said, it seems like about 50 of the fucking things all wearing their hard hats, too, which is neat. I'm going to call it my second favorite flub in horror movie history is this scene where they're where the doctor the the grandpa and all of them are, are getting chased down the river by these fucking dudes one of the construction workers wearing a hat eats shit and fucking falls on his face and you can see that he's definitely it's not like he stayed in the moment and and okay my my rabbit character fell scramble up oh, now I'm all fucking crazy and I don't have my hat anymore he stops is noticeably frustrated that he tripped, <laughs> yeah. picks up his hard hat, and kind of wanders off back in the other direction. He's like, not rabbit anymore. No, yeah. no, fuck this. Fuck this, you guys. I'm getting paid two bucks to run down this river. I hurt my knee. I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it makes, me, it makes me laugh. If you're ever curious about what my favorite flub is, it's in final exam, and I will leave it at that. Okay. I'll ask you after off the air. <laughs> but yeah the uh water saves them water saves them they they splash them because rabid people are afraid of water holy fuck you would think that this was that shitty mummy movie from 1999 and they just showed imhotep a cat yeah. <laughs> he's like ah which is ridiculous <laughs> that's not how rabies works no it's crazy but they really are vampire in sunlight ah. yeah that's what, that's what they're treating it like <laughs> it's crazy it works in the moment it works in the moment and i suppose if you just don't want these characters to die and you need them to get saved because rich is there and, and dr about oh wait grandpa's there and i don't know what's gonna happen to grandpa he's gonna be okay right no he's of course he's not gonna be okay <laughs> even some of my favorite characters aren't gonna be okay we we'll talk about andy my favorite barney rubble out of all the barney rubbles like <laughs> no one's gonna be okay oh my god it's really really true and to hear you tell it absolutely nobody's gonna be okay but yeah yeah of course doc's not gonna be okay yeah 
pitchfork to the throat. He gets a pitchfork through him. And my sister got a pitchfork through her leg. So every time I see that, I think of the real reality of what it's like to have somebody with a farm equipment through them. That sounds brutal. Did it go right through her leg? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was horrible. Wow. She has a little tiny little dot scar. That's all. Running, playing in the yard. That would fuck your day up. Yep, barns. Barns are just not a fucking safe place. Yeah, really. that happened to me at my cottage. I stepped on a board and the and the nail went through. I was just wearing sandals. Yeah. That went right through my fucking foot. Yeah, yeah. see? Yeah, but pitchfork through a person. Another rem- reminds me of the crazies as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a fucking good movie. That's a good call. I'm going to add that to the list. I'm surprised it wasn't on the list already, but that happens a lot. I'll look up or think of a movie and be like, God damn it. Yeah, why aren't we doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Consider it on the list. I'm fucking putting it on the list. Anyways, so, yeah, Grandpa gets eaten. Grandpa gets fucking skewered to the wall like a Christmas ham. And that's it. You want to know something that's interesting about this whole fucking scene? Pete doesn't seem too fucking concerned that his grandpa, the person that he was enacting his bloody revenge for, Gets brutally murdered because of it. I think he's just desensitized by this point. I really do that. Or he's been up for a long time and he's tuckered out. I'm sleepy. Where's my LSD? Warm cup of milk, you mean. Right. Yeah. You know who could probably use a warm cup of milk, Sylvie? Yeah. Her, Her and Carrie, exhausted, are wandering down this road. And sure enough, because of the fact that Sylvie is... As pregnant as humanly possible, yeah, it looks like, like nine fucking months. This this kid this long. kid looks like it's gonna pop out of her any second. So they go to Cujo's house. <laughs> There's a giant Saint Bernard sitting on this. It is basically Cujo. Here's our here's our I drink your blood Cujo crossover. It pretty much is. This is where those bats got the rabies from the hippies. Oh, and I like it. Bit Cujo's nose. Yeah, and then Cujo became the slobberingest slobby dog that ever existed. Nope. Nothing wrong here. <sighs> Instead, no, they go in and uh, typical Christian, you know. Hospitality? Yeah. This lady at this farmhouse invites them in, especially a, a woman in your condition. Yeah. Which she refers to. She so, and, yeah. and she's almost admonishing her. You should be at a hospital right now. You don't feel good. And rightfully so. And you're fully pregnant. She's super pregnant. She looks like fucking ass. And she's crawled her hippie ass out of the bush. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably on something. Mm-hmm. Like Carrie is just, again, of course, she's mute. She doesn't say a word. And she's just kind of looking around, minding her own business. Cute and aloof. Cute and aloof. I love her. I fucking love her to death. She's so great. Well, and this old lady decides to feed them something because she, they're famished and they say that they would love something to eat. Mm-hmm. So she starts uh, cutting up a giant roast. Oh, yeah. Ooh, uh, to make looks, some sandwiches. Oh, it looks good. looks good. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's great because Carrie finally gets a little bit of inspiration. You know, we got ourselves an electric carving knife here cutting down this roast beef. Looks fucking good. And Carrie's says to herself, you can see the internal monologue while she looks at the the carving knife. It's a little, little motorized one. Yeah. Like in Rocky Horror. I was just going to say. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that scene so much. <laughs> we She looks at that and she says, oh, yes, this thing cuts meat. I'm going to cut some meat with this. 
where's some meat to cut with this? Here's some meat to cut with this. And we see a, a mirror splash, big, beautiful red blood, and then Sylvie running out, and then the woman who was helping them running out, clutching her bloody stump of an arm. Yeah, it's and, a wonderful scene, really. And then here comes beautiful, aloof Carrie wandering out the front door like a sleepy toddler holding a severed hand and she contemplates it. Hmm. I did an okay job. Is and the- she kind of has a furrowed brow sort of like now what? And she's got blood on her face. It looks great. Yeah, she's really cute. And this is where she spends the rest of her days. The end. I I threw out this question to Twitter and that no one no one answered. Jerks, but because I was I thought, am I missing something here? Did we miss a scene? Did I miss a scene? I've seen this movie a few times now. I don't think so. I think that's really the end of Carrie. And, and I think it's weird that. Listen, she has rabies. She's not going to get treated. We know what's going to happen to Carrie. She'll be left alone and then eventually die. Yeah. But it's weird that they don't acknowledge it. Now, Sylvie gets uh, an ending. She does. Um, It's her own doing as well. And I like this scene a lot because she runs into Sylvia. Sylvia and Andy and Pete. Yeah, who tell her that she's infected. And she exclaims, rabies, like a dog. Yeah. And it's just, she's so disgusted with life and herself right then. Yeah, and she's the baby that she's holding my poor little baby. Yeah, so she's not going to see this through, and she knows it. So she commits suicide. And before, like, when she's made this final decision, everyone else goes back to the hotel to save what they can. can't. there's nothing they can do. Yeah. And they need to stay away from her in case she does attack them, right? Because she's rabid. And she takes her wig off, which is the first inkling you have that it is even a wig. (laughs) And I really do love that when you have that unmasking of somebody who wears a wig in a film Mm -hmm. or in real life. Uh, When a a really good drag queen has you right in their clutches (laughs) and they take their wig off. Wow. That is always a, a complete fucking uncanny valley shattering moment for me. Um, but it works very, very well here, too, where mm-hmm. she's just completely given up the guys and kills herself in the forest. Yeah, well, it's just an old piece of wood. It looks like a, a spike that you would be using for some kind of a snare trap that a hunter might have been using. And she just impales herself through the stomach trying to kill the baby and her simultaneously. I mean, if you just were to run yourself through in the heart, then again, a crack getting through your own rib cage that would be a, a challenge i th- i would think she probably just kind of clawed out the guts of her wrists at, the, at that point and bled out in the forest but who knows the power of rabies she might have tried to save herself yeah you never know right so now that's pretty much it molly's out fucking shelly's long dead Sylvie is gone. Carrie is just off doing her spinoff series where she's just cute and aloof. We call it cute and aloof. Yeah. Cute and aloof part two. That's yeah. my favorite. <laughs> and 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 so now we basically have our main players. Horace is still around. Rollo is still around. Rollo is in the fucking woods like smashing bunnies against fucking logs and shit. <laughs> but at least he's getting some sort of sustenance. Mm-hmm. No, don't forget Su Lin is still around. Not for long. Yeah. She's had enough of this world, too. Yeah, and when Horace encounters her, she 
basically commit self-immolation. Mm-hmm. Now, self-immolation was something that has been was already widely known about. The very famous picture from 1963, 64-ish, whatever, of the the Tibetan monk uh, performing self-immolation in protest of China uh, was ingrained in people's minds. So the idea of this woman just doing it to herself, I guess it wouldn't be that unusual. People would have heard of it. Right. Yeah. Right. So it, it was something that was in the public consciousness. It was a really interesting scene. It seemed as though that Horace was going to attack her at this point. Horace would attack anybody. Yeah. And he does. Um, meanwhile, this fucking group of, this fucking group of uh, construction workers is still laying waste to the town, chasing people. Again, they're still working in packs. The hippie group has Horace's clan is already at each other because Horace tries to kill Sue Lin, Rollo uh, kills Shelly, and Rollo and uh, Horace are going to be going at it. Yeah, it's the fight of the century. Axe fight, which is great. Uh, it goes on a little bit long, but it does. It's very action packed. I will give it that. The yeah. choreography and some of the camera movement, along with this very, I find the the soundtrack is very annoying. Let me tell you, if you don't feel the menace in these scenes, mm-hmm. fucking Clay Pitts will drive it into your brain. That's yeah. the honestly that musical cue. In the hotel when Horace is fighting the construction workers, it's too much. It, it is it's too much. too much. And there's even one part, like, because there are some musical, there is a musical score along with this fight scene too, but there are a few hits of that same sound effect. It's just this movie. increasing tempo for yeah. what feels like three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it takes a lot away from mm. what is a kind of cool fight scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. And Horace gets run through, through the back, up the throat. Out the mouth. Very cool effect. With his own sword. With his own sword. What you get playing with swords. That's true. And so, who would have guessed? Rollo. Yeah, right. Well, he's spent all that time on his spirit journey killing bunnies in the forest. It's true. Of course he came back the tougher man. Because he wasn't just sitting there all stoned on himself all that time. It's true. And maybe... Communing with nature. Rollo had something to prove to Satan. He could have. He was also the man. He'd killed the most rats. So, go figure. It's it's interesting that Rollo is not the leader of this group. It seems in some ways he should be, but he's just not as charismatic probably as Horace was. And you can't say, well, it's the 70s, so they wouldn't give a leadership position to a black man because Horace is from India. And also, like, it doesn't seem to matter. No, that wasn't no. on the top of mind with the writers. The way no. that it would probably be top of mind with writers nowadays. Yeah, the, and, and people... Engineering this sort of stuff. Yeah, they say, oh, look how... I, I honestly feel... Well, first of all, we know that a lot of these actors that were cast was because they had... Uh, they worked previously with the director. Yeah. Right. So, so he, and, and he really had this attitude of best person for the job. Yeah. I want to make a movie. And these are the people that are going to be in the movie because I've worked with them before. They seem good. And so he didn't seem to care that the people were from wherever. And so I think he was just the strongest person. Like you said, best person for the job, not only yeah. in this role, but that character was the best person for that, for that yeah. survivability. It's, it's like when, uh, Romero cast, uh, uh, Ben as a black man, mm-hmm. Romero said he was just the best man for the job. He was a good actor. 
Yeah, people worry too much about that sort of thing and pick it apart and social engineer every um, aspect of our lives nowadays. So it's yeah. not a wonder that they go back and apply some some film theory that wasn't there to begin with. Mm-hmm. They could go and have a field day. If they're done, if they're tired of picking apart uh, Night of the Living Dead for things that aren't there, they can go and pick this apart and have mm-hmm. fun with it. Have a lot of fun with it because you get a representation of many races, many more races. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go and take some sociopolitical theory of the time and apply it to this, feel free. I don't know why I haven't read, you know, reams and reams of it. It, it seems like a movie that would be ripe for it. Yeah, it is. A it movie, seems to have escaped it somehow. Unless movie, we're just not reading the right spots. That, that could be totally it too, yeah. right? Yeah. Because every film... Even if we we think to ourselves, oh, I've just heard of this, or this is the first time I've really sat down and watched it, it's had a ravenous fan base for thirty years. Right? I'd much rather um, and like a lot more um, thought and backward theory applied to Jaden Wong's character than I would of seeing anyone try and dissect Rollo. Really, mm-hmm. there are all kinds of like unsuspected little twists in this film mm-hmm. that I really enjoy. Like the fact that not everyone makes it. Not everyone who is the best person for the job makes it. The person who didn't eat the meat pies and who is trying to do the right thing and who isn't really that involved in this like cultish hippie group. He still gets fucking his head cut off. Yeah, and and and, and like mocked. Like they're using it like a prop. They had this dead goat for a while, the construction workers. Mm-hmm. But now when they because they're, they're tired of the dead goat. Yeah, and one of them, the the leader, the guy who Molly got into the back of the truck with, the the, the most prominent construction worker. Yeah. He when they can't get in, Mildred has boarded up her bakery, right? Yeah, I don't blame her. And and so she, they're trying to open the door, and it's that scene where they're, oh, man, they're not going to get in, they're not going to get in, they're not going to get in. And almost like in Blind Dead, where you have a door that just won't open, and then somebody loses his arm because of it, in the same way, you think, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to get in the house. Mm-mm, not Andy. He's going to get his fucking head completely cut off. It's my favorite. When they're fighting and they're clashing and he grabs a chair to fend off the guy with the machete. And one of the fucking rabid construction workers grabs the chair and says, you don't need that chair. And throws it away. <laughs> I was almost rolling on the floor. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's fucking. You don't need that chair. Yeah. Well, what the fuck? Of course not. And how's he supposed to get his head cut off if he has a chair? Oh, that's so fucking good. It is good. my favorite line in this entire film. Oh, it's fucking It's good. not a comedy. There's nothing funny about this movie. No, but that scene no. is fucking hilarious. It's right out of a cartoon. It's fucking great. You don't need that chair. <laughs> <laughs> and when and when uh, Andy's dead now, it's Sylvia and Pete and Mildred getting locked into this fucking bakery while these boys just push the walls down well, the construction workers are also deconstruction workers oh that's fucking funny too yeah. funny for you likes of you you're a pod person i didn't laugh or smile when i said it that's true you did deliver it with a spock-like <laughs> factuality yes now when they they hide into the 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 cellar to try to avoid all this stuff one of the fucking only one construction worker comes down there fucking mildred Shoots him in the mush. It takes him for, it takes her forever to shoot him. And you're thinking like there are 50 construction workers out. They're all rabid and acting like a pack. How is this one getting down there and taking all of this time alone when there could be like 20 of them piling up and picturing like uh, dead rising, right? There's going to be like, oh, yeah, a fucking yeah, yeah. horde of them. Yeah. And you're going to use sweet wrestling moves to sort of pinwheel out of there. Yeah. But no. 
That's not how it works. No, it's not. And even I like the effect of them shooting this guy in the face. Looks pretty good. Yeah, that's okay. Possible. I, I liked it. I still I liked much better them uh, smearing Andy's head blood on the windscreen of the car. That was more <laughs> fun for me. Yeah. 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 It's it's pretty crazy when you think about like all the fucking shit that goes on in this movie. It's the and for such a such a small runtime. Yeah. Right. It's like 80 minutes, something like that, less than 90 minute film. And there's so much fucking destruction, so much fucking death in a short period of time. But ultimately, what we have is this final fight for and with Mildred and Pete and Sylvia trying to get into the car and get the fuck out of there. While all these I mean, the fucking construction workers like jumping on the hood of the car with fucking Andy's head on it, like using it like an evil Christmas ornament. <laughs> yeah. And and then even Rollo uh eventually succumbs to the rabies. And and, and he jumps on the hood of the car, all foamy mouthed and shit, and then just sort of twitches and dies. You know, I probably didn't get much of a, an eye full of the guy that got shot in the face coming down the stairs because he had something hanging from his mouth. I could yeah, hardly he look definitely, at him. He definitely I could did. hardly look at him. He definitely did. It seems like the guys, they got like shaving cream or something on their faces the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it is pretty gooey, especially when it's combined with the red blood. So it's like this drooling, slobbering. They're like a bunch of Cujos. Yeah, they are like a bunch of Cujos. It was hard to look at. It was, that particular man was hard to look at. Some of the other foam I could just pass off as like... And I think part part of it was some of them I'm thinking, ooh, it looks like toothbrush, toothpaste foam. Yeah, it probably is shaving cream or whipped cream or something. Well, something edible. I couldn't see them having something like that. Tastes really I, I, on, I only would say shaving cream for the cheapness of it. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I would think shaving cream would be cheaper than whipped cream, but who knows. And it's actually more expensive. Oh, geez. Well, then shows what I know. But whipped cream curdles. It does. Yeah, in the sun. So, and fairly quickly, too. Okay. Within about an hour, you're going to smell like rotten milk. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, these fucking dudes basically flip the car. Now, Mildred still has her gun, but that gets, but that gets fucking dealt with. And she gets bit on the hand. When they roll the car, she gets bit and it sort of goes to black. I wish the movie ended right there. I, if this movie ended right there, I'd be like, yes! You would think so. <sighs> I now, wish so. what ends up happening is all these police officers roll up. And you could almost tell that this was... The, the ending was in flux. Because mm-hmm. there's a very interesting way that they the police officers come in and they just start... It's just a montage of It's a gun montage shots. of but gunshots of the perspective of the guns. Yeah. You don't see anyone that they're shooting. Now, I don't want... I don't know if they don't want to spend the money on the... Squibs. Squibs. Yeah. To, or, and, or if this scene was shot out of sequence and so they didn't have... Anyone to a, shoot? Any, anyone yeah. to shoot. Yeah. So, that and, that's, and that's what I think, especially since there is... The original ending on this Blu-ray, not in the actual cut of the film, but if you go to the bonuses, we'll talk about the uh, the one that you see. When Wes mentioned this, I didn't know there was an alternate ending. I'm no expert. And I thought, you know what? I could have watched either. And I would have had no idea which was the proper and which was a theatrical. Yeah. So the theatrical one, I because on the Blu-ray, it's the unrated, X-rated edition, whatever. Yeah. And, and so you watch that and... 
how it ends is <laughs> how it ends is all the police show up. They mow down all these fucking dudes, light them up inside the overturned car. You got Pete. You got Sylvia. Both okay. And Rich is there as well. The 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 fucking foreman. And pulls out Mildred. Yeah. And then... Girlfriend gives her a hug. And then we see Pete and Sylvia get... They get shuffled off into the back of a hearse. Which is marked emergency services. It looks like a hearse. It's it a, does. It's it, a, is. It's, it has fucking the curtains on the windows and everything. Yeah. It's a yeah. black hearse with the fucking... And you know what's funny? My, uh, my, my uncle... Drew uh, drove a hearse in the seventies. It wasn't. It was just his car. Yeah. Um. And he uh, he got it for dirt cheap apparently. And so up at my cottage, I remember in, in the Pontiac there and the Pontiac there, they the, the neighbors were furious. They thought it was extremely disrespectful that the boys were driving around cottage country in a hearse as a as a recreational vehicle. I think it's disrespectful them to have an opinion about what other people are doing. Yeah, I know. So, whatever. How do you know I don't work at a funeral home? How do you know this, this is just not my work car? How do you know I don't give a fuck what you think? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, they pile them in, and then it's basically a little talk like, well, yeah, rabies is a horrible way to die, so I'm glad that we killed them all. <laughs> it's fuck. Well, what do you say? Like, it's it's that. It's, it's this fucking aloof kind of, well... I don't know what to say about the situation. We have a town of 50 people that are dead now with two survivors because of rabies. And and this fucking county sheriff is just hitch, hitching up his pants and, and holding the suspenders. Like, well, what do you say? Hydrophobia is a terrible way to die. <laughs> Good thing we shot all these people. Yeah. It's fucked up. The end. Into the, the, sunset. the end. And we just see... <laughs> Pete running through the fucking field like it's the opening the little house on the prairie. Yeah. He's off to go and whittle himself a nice slingshot and stick it in the back pocket of his cutoff shorts. Yeah, and, and have a rock doused in fucking rabies blood. Yeah. Yeah. But basically That's not the real ending though. No. That that this was the stupid ending. That was the redone ending that apparently the the studios, I don't know if it was Jerry Gross or whoever was handling production on this, but they thought it was too much of a downbeat ending, the original ending. So we'll what, call it the American ending. We'll call, we'll call it the American ending. So the original ending is doesn't necessarily make a lot of more sense, but it's a lot darker. And what ends up happening is we still see the exact same scene with Sylvia and Pete getting loaded into the hearse. <laughs> Thank God for that. Yeah. You're going to be just fine, guys. Zip up the body bag. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and they say that, Rich is there. That's who the the the, the police guy is, is talking to. Rich is there, and he says, "Well, they're going to go to the hospital. They got to get checked out for rabies." And Mildred, by the way, also needs to get inoculated for rabies, but she's going to be fine otherwise. Yeah. I don't understand why Pete and Sylvia are getting driven to the hospital in a hearse now, whereas Mildred is lying upstairs in her bathrobe, just relaxing after a shower. She literally got bit. And touched by these fucking guys. Sylvia and Pete didn't, from my knowledge. But anyways, Rich goes upstairs to check on her. Tells her what the situation is. And all's well that ends well. And he leans in to kiss her. And they're making out on the bed. And Mildred very slowly grabs a gun that's on the nightstand. And shoots this fucking guy right in the mouth. 
and blood splatters all over her face. Which is wonderful, and I'll, I'd, I'd like to see this someday soon, so that sounds like a fun day that we can hang out and watch the actual end. Yeah, yeah, we can watch the actual end, and that end credits, and that's how that's it was cool. originally supposed to end. I could see why she'd be lounging upstairs, because back in the day, it's not the same anymore, but back in the day, when I was a kid, and it wasn't just a, a scary myth to scare kids from getting rabies on purpose, or whatever, question mark. Uh, it's a, it was a series of something like 16 needles in the ass one day, and three days later you had to go back for another small series of needles, and then a few days later go back for another series of needles. Uh, apparently rabies treatment is a lot less invasive now. That's and- what I've heard too. But when I was a kid, that's what I understood about getting rabies was that you had to get, yeah, 16 needles in the fucking stomach. It was a brutal process. Yeah, so that's it could have been like they took her in, gave her the, the first volley of needles, and then sent her home, where she definitely would be chilling out in a bathrobe, because who wants to deal with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Crazy. So that was a very enjoyable pick. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed it, too. And I didn't know how well you would... Uh, I had a feeling that you would have problems. I forgot about the mouth stuff. But for the most <laughs> right. part, it was a really good time. And yeah. if, if you guys are really interested, I can't help but... I can't recommend this film enough. I really, really enjoy I Drink Your Blood. If you guys are interested in Grindhouse-type movies, we haven't really covered some pure Grindhouse stuff. And I know a lot of people will shout to Last House and uh, I Spit in Your Grave and stuff like that for classic ground, ground uh, Grindhouse. I mean, I really love I Spit in Your Grave. That's a great flick as far as I'm concerned. But here's another one that I think holds up. It holds up after all these years. The Grindhouse release version looks fucking fantastic. You can watch it on Shudder. Mm-hmm. So th- this is a widely available... That's why I watched it. And the version on there is very, very clean. It's very good. Yeah, so uh, this is widely available. It does have the American ending, though. It does have the American ending. But, I mean, so so does mine. But you can watch the ending in an extra clip. And so that's really cool. And honestly, if you guys... Like I Drink Your Blood, if, the, if you guys are coming to this podcast right now because you're a fan of this fucking flick and you don't have the physical Grindhouse release copy, not only does it come with I Drink Your Blood, but it also comes with I Eat Your Skin, the original double feature that this was playing at, at drive-ins and Grindhouse theaters and stuff like that. So you can watch these movies back to back the way God intended. God, you say. God, I say. I Eat Your Skin's a very different type of flick. Mm-hmm. It's from 1964. It's voodoo cannibalism stuff. It's black and white. So it's 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 not really the same type of movie. But hey, it's also it's okay. We have a very different movie coming up next. Very very different. Complete opposite of this shit. Yeah. It's called Rabid. Oh. <laughs> I know. I'm not very funny. You're uh, pretty yeah. funny. We're gonna cover the uh, David Cronenberg hit Rabid. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm really excited for that. And so. Uh, just as a thing, we are leading up into a recommendation. I think it's Train to Busan. Yes, is, is it what is. We're, we're... That's the point of a lot of this uh, infection <clears throat> mm-hmm. feel that we got going on. Mm-hmm. And that is a request. If you guys ever have a request, you can definitely let me know at Wes Dead Air Nipe on Twitter. Or you can mention or you can put uh, put in a request on spotterpictures.net. Or you can also go to our SoundCloud or iTunes or whatever. And also, if you guys are feeling froggy... Why don't you leave us an iTunes review? It really helps us to get the word out for the podcast. It increases podcast visibility. It doesn't have to be a 12-paragraph treatise on why we're fucking awesome or why we suck balls. 
it just has it just has to be a, a, a review that's a couple of lines saying, hey, it's like a book review. Just, hey, check this out. Yeah, it's if, great for people who listen to other horror podcasts. They can see what other people are listening to. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you can end up in those rankings, but you would be lost in them if you have no reviews. And I'd like to see what some of the other reviews are because people have left reviews. They're not, they're not visible yet. And I just want them unlocked. Yeah, <laughs> we want to. We don't want to unlock those reviews yeah, to see what they are. Even if they say we suck balls. Yeah, especially if they say we suck balls. You know, I'd like to read that too. <laughs> I'm Wes Knight, and I'm Typical Lydia, and you've been listening to Dead Air.